This is the Simi Valley Adventist News and Updates for May 8, 2020, the Sabbath edition. Now Thank We All Our God is a song we associate very much so with Thanksgiving, organs, choirs, brass. It's a great song. I've heard it since I was a young child. The version you're hearing is by Kate Higgins. It's a more of a contemporary style, more contemplative. And it's just a lovely piece. You'll hear the rest of it at the end of the podcast here tonight. How are you doing, everybody? It's Friday afternoon, late afternoon, 6 o'clock, and I just want to leave you with a short message tonight. But it's a message that starts back in the 17th century. The 17th century, there was a war that you may or may not be familiar with called the Thirty-Year War. It was fought primarily in Central Europe, but if you know anything about this war, it's one of the uh, longest and most brutal wars in human history. And there were over 8 million casualties resulting from battles as well as famine and disease which was caused by the conflict. It was um, 1618 to 1648 and it started as a battle among the Catholics and Protestant states that were formed that formed the Holy Roman Empire. But as it went on, of course, it became more than, more than about religion and more about which group would eventually govern Europe. And in the end, the conflict changed the geopolitical face of Europe and the role of religion and nation states in society. So, real quickly, it starts with uh, Emperor Ferdinand II's ascension. And first, one of his first actions was to force his citizens to adhere to the Roman Catholic uh, Church. Even though they had been given freedom from the uh, Peace of Augsburg. And he signed in 1555 a keystone of the Reformation. And the whole thing was about whose realm in his religion and allowed the princes of states to adopt either Lutheranism or Calvinism or Catholicism within their respective domains. So that's how it all starts up. There was a Bohemian revolt. There were Catholic leagues. 1630, Sweden takes the side of the northern Protestants and joins the fight to help push the Catholic forces back, which they had lost territory in. So it encompassed Sweden along, along with the European nations. The French get involved. Uh, though Catholics were rivals of the Habsburgs and were un unhappy with the provisions of the Peace of Prague. So the French enter in 1635. But their, ar their armies really are unable to make inroads against Ferdinand even after he dies in 1637. Meanwhile, France, I mean Spain, fighting on behalf of Ferdinand III, the son, and under Leopold, right, there's a stalemate. So this is just a very, very bloody war for 30 years. Over the course of 1648, there's uh, various parties in the conflict signed these uh, series of treaties, and they're called the Peace of Westphalia. 
which effectively ends the 30-year war. But not without significant you know, geopolitical effects in Europe itself. And as brutal as the fighting was in the 30-year war, hundreds of thousands of people died as a result of famine. There was a epidemic of typhus that spread across the whole area, torn by this violence. And historians, I'm reading here, historians believe the first European witch hunts began during the war. Suspicious of attributes suffering uh, at a time to the spiritual cause. And war also fostered a fear in other communities. And some of those sentiments still are in effect today. So, war, pestilence, famine, this is not a good life. And in the middle of all that, in the middle of that 30-year war, is a little town called Eilenburg. It's a walled town. And Eilenburg became overcrowded refuge for the surrounding area. There was a German pastor who served there. And the, the fugitives had suffered from the same pandemic and uh, that everybody else had. And at the beginning of 1637, the year of the great, they called the Great Pestilence, there were four ministers in Eilenburg. One leaves his post because he didn't want to be there and he abandons it. And um, one pastor, there are three left, and one of them buries the other two. And he's the only pastor left in the town of Eilenburg during this incredible conflict. Eight million people, by the way, die in this 30-year war. Eight million. And uh, in this year of 1637, he conducts funeral services ranging from 40 to 50 a day. And apparently the numbers are somewhere around 4,480 that he did in one year. And in May of that year, his wife died. And refugees had to be buried in trenches without services. So this is, <laughs> this is overwhelming pressure. Risk, horrendous conditions, this pastor never stopped ministering to his city. He gave away nearly everything he owned to the poor and needy. He could barely clothe and feed his own children. He mortgaged his future income to provide for his family. And at one point, towards the end of the war, remember I told you about the Swedes? The Swedish army surrounds the city and demands a ransom from this impoverished, starving citizenry. Knowing that they have no money, Rydkart pleads to the Swedes to lower the amount, only to be rejected. So he falls to his knees and says, Come, my children, we can find no hearing, no mercy with men. We will take refuge with God. And he begins to pray so fervently that the Swedish general is, was forced to lower his price of demand from what he wanted from the city to less than less than five percent of the original sum, basically whatever they had left. So after thirty years of ceaseless struggle, it looked like peace was beginning to grasp in that area. And 
Can you imagine what it was like at Thanksgiving time in Albert Eilenberg in 1637 after you've buried 4,000 people in a year? After your wife has died, you've buried the other pastors? Can you imagine what that would be like? Just exactly exactly how how would the turkey and cranberry sauce taste if you could even afford it well this pastor Rincart Martin Rincart he was also a, an accomplished musician who had studied at the University of Leipzig Leipzig excuse me and then spent most of his careers in Eilenburg during the Thirty Year War and uh, he decides that his people, his friends, his family members, they need something, they need something to calm them. And after his city had been overrun three times by three different armies, and he had buried all those people, he sat down and wrote these words. Now thank we all our God, with heart and hands and voices, whose wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today when you listen to those words <laughs> you know when I hear it at Thanksgiving time it's such a loud and big and bold statement and yet this man didn't do that I don't believe I believe he wrote it as a way of encouraging the starving city. The second stanza says something really amazing. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us still in grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. Can we right now sing that song despite everything around us, whatever's happened this week? Put school away and sing very quietly to yourself. Oh, think we know our God. All praise and thanks to God Father now be given, the Son and Him who reigns, and them in highest heaven, the one eternal God, whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. Let's pray. Dear God, in the midst of everything around us, the disappointments, the economic struggle, the fear of for our health, Lord, you, you are to be thanked, you are to be praised, you are to be blessed, 
because of all you have done for us. And so now we thank you, Lord, and do nothing but thank you for the time to sit back and to just consider your, your ways and your spirit in our lives with our hearts, our hands, and our voices. We lift them to you now. Do not leave us. We know you'll stay with us for now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a beautiful weekend. I will talk to you soon. From our mother's arms.